Ebrick in the gun, gets the ball, handoff. No, he keeps it, throws right, caught, Ajala, touchdown! Throwing up money hands is Mike Ebrick as he goes back to the bench. Touchdown Fordham in 16-3 Rams with 5.37 to go in the sack. Ebrick in the shotgun, three receivers set, two to the wide side left, getting the ball, play action, drops back, he's looking, fires it deep up the middle, it's caught, Wetzel at the 25, he's all alone at the 10, and into the end zone as he runs across the goal line and walks it in. Brian Wetzel, 58 yards from Michael Ebrick, right up the gut. 30-3, Fordham with 159 to go in the second quarter. Ebrick steps back into the gun. He's got Edmonds on his right. He takes the football and he hands it off. Edmonds runs left, off the hash, dives in, he's in for the score. Chase Edmonds, second rushing touchdown of the day. Fordham's got 40 points yet again. And the Rams expand the lead. It's Fordham 40, Lafayette 18 with 7.17 to go in the fourth. And welcome to WFUV Sports' exclusive presentation, Monday Night Quarterback, here live from the Applebee's at Fordham Plaza with Nick Legerfo. I'm Mike Watts. Thanks for tuning in. And, of course, we'll open up here with Coach Joe Moorhead momentarily. Coach Tim Zetz, the running back coach for the Fordham Rams, will join us. And we'll go inside the huddle with Tabucky Jones Jr. and DeAndre Slate. That's coming up later on. But we begin, as we always do, with the Fordham football head coach, Joe Moorhead. Coach, how are you? Doing great, guys. Great to be back. Must be really great to come here after a 42-18 blowout of a Lafayette team that a year ago, you said the word ruined the perfect streak last year. You used the term ruined. How does it feel now that you've gotten that monkey off your back 325 days later? Uh, it feels great. You know, the most important thing is uh, we got our second Patriot League win and we're able to stay on top of the standings at 2-0 because uh, we know that's the most important thing. Uh, but to a certain extent, there was an element of uh, satisfaction of, you know, and not particularly that they ruined the season, but for how poorly we played in that game and, and, you know, the opportunity that we had to do something really special last year with an undefeated season. And like I said, you know, they, they earned the right to win that game. They, they beat us, uh, you know, physically they beat us on the scoreboard, but our kids accepted the challenge. They understood the things it was going to take to be successful against a very good Lafayette football team this year. And I, I was very proud of their effort and their execution. Coach, you talk about the importance of playing Lafayette, the opponent, but let's look at the atmosphere a little bit. A Friday night game, a rare Friday night game on national television. How special was that for you guys to be playing Lafayette in a game like that, a situation no, was, like that? It was great. We, we, t we talked about it to the team before the game, the night before the game, that, you know, it's, it's a type of thing as a young kid when you, you know, decide to play football, you know, there, there was every element of, of that game was – was you know tremendous you're talking about a, a a friday night home game under the lights against a uh you know defending league champion who, who uh like i said you know took our our undefeated regular season away for, from us last year and you know a, a patriot league contest so it was it was uh you know it was it was a great atmosphere for our kids well Coach Moorhead joining Nick Legerfo and Mike Watts on Monday night quarterback at WFUV sports presentation from the Applebee's at Fordham Plaza Coach, when you think about last year versus this year, maybe the biggest thing that comes to mind would be that Drew Reed missed the game this year. The sophomore was injured at quarterback for Lafayette, and your star quarterback, Michael Niebrick, was not healthy last year, missed the game. This year he is healthy. Now that the shoe is on the other foot, how much of an impact did that make with that change at quarterback? I can't speak for Lafayette. Uh, I could speak for us. But obviously, you know, Michael being one of the top players in the country at his position, you know, it's obviously going to have a significant impact on, on our performances and offenses as a team. And 
I think his play has improved steadily the past month. I think he built off of his uh, his performance, um, you know, against uh, Holy Cross and, and allowed us to be very successful offensively. And you know, Reed's a very good player. He uh, you know he was uh, you know very productive last year. I believe it was 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, somewhere in that range, and was having a good year this year. And you know, but the Seaforce kid's going to be a very good player. And you know, that's just something that you know injuries are part of the game. Coach, let's look at some of the action that took place in the first quarter. It seemed like both defenses really came out hot, ready to play in this one. But it seems like it's been sort of a trend for your team this year, a slow offensive output again in the first quarter. What do you think the reasons for that are? Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers would dictate that we're outscoring our opponent, you know, almost five or six to one in the first quarter. But our point, out, point output offensively you know, hasn't been that tremendous. And you know, there were a couple series there where they were, you know, they did a good job defensively. You know, they gave us some different looks and some things that we, I don't want to say hadn't practiced against, but some variations of things that we had seen on tape. And, you know, it took, it took us a couple series to get our feet underneath us and kind of diagnose what they were doing. And, you know, when we started to be able to run the ball successfully, uh, and I think when we started playing with great tempo, I think was when, when things started to open up for us. So the faster we play, the better we play. And uh, I think that third drive was an indication of, of what we want our offense to look like moving forward. Well, it's great when the offense is clicking and the defense is moving along. But when you want to get the ball back on the offensive side after scoring a touchdown, there's no better way to do it than to try an onside kick. And we're going to go ahead and play the highlight. But we certainly didn't see it coming, and we thought it was a great call at the time. We'll get your thoughts on it in a moment. So Jordan Chapman able to push it back in on the near boundary near the near the bleachers at Jack Coffee, and you guys get the ball back and go right back down the field and score a touchdown. How important was that to swinging this game firmly in your corner? No, it was you know imperative to continue the momentum and, and to have an extra possession like that where they're not getting an opportunity to score. Uh, you know, and the, and the call goes to Coach Slutsky, our special teams coordinator. That's something that we practiced. Uh, a ton of times, you know, we, and we have it in every week, and it's really just based off of, you know, the look they give us. And early in the week on Sunday, he talked to me that he wanted to do it. We meet again on Thursday to kind of confirm the game plan, and he said, hey, the third kickoff of the game, if the guy to the, uh, to the boundaries continuing to squeeze, we want to try the kick pass, and I think Jordan can get it. And when we practice it, Jordan really just comes down with it. The kick was a little bit wide, so Jordan had to bat it back in, and I believe Caleb came up with the, uh, the recovery. So that was huge, it was a huge momentum swing. Well, offensively, you guys really found your rhythm in the second quarter. But let's talk a little bit about your defense playing well pretty much the whole game. And a guy that's one of the most established running backs in the Patriot League, Ross Sherman, he was pretty shut down by your defense. What did you think of their effort? Uh, the kids took it as a huge challenge. You know, after the performance had, he had against us last year, whatever it was, 160 yards plus, seven-point yards a carry, and really ran the ball with impunity against us. You know, our kids took that personally, and, and they, they were determined to, to, to shut down him in the running game. And the kids in NFL caliber back, I think Coach Hallahan, the running backs coach, and, the, and Coach Devaney and Coach Fine do a great job finding ways to get him the football in the run game and the pass game to be successful. But, uh, you know, our kids were absolutely determined not allow him to beat, not to not allow him to beat us uh, on the ground running the football, and I, I think they did a great job, you know, rising to the occasion because he's, he's a great football player. I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing, playing on Sundays. Impunity. You definitely are an English yeah. major. There's no doubt about that now. Uh, Coach, let's take a look at one of the plays that was a lot of fun for us. You, you talk to us about your two-point plays every week. You try and give a new look every week. Uh, it's something you've got in your arsenal. And this week you decided that Chase Edmonds would use his left arm 
rather than his legs to get this into the end zone for a two-point conversion. Let's hear the play and go from there. Niebrick steps back. He gets the ball. He hands it off. Edmonds, jump pass, complete. Dan Light caught two-point conversion. I'm sorry, can you uh, uh, thank Tim Zetz for teaching him to throw like that? He was a, a quarterback <laughs> in college. Was it you who taught him to throw like that? What the heck happened I, there? I don't know if anyone should be taking credit. He kind of shot-footed <laughs> that thing up there. But, you know, there's a chart that we have in the booth, and really it's your two-point chart, and it says ahead by a certain number of points or down by a certain number of points, and you, you, you make the call based off of that, and the chart said that we should go for two. And, uh, you know, I think we, we, we do a pretty good job of finding creative ways to create run-pass conflicts where, where it looks like a run, but at the same time you have an eligible receiver who's either blocking or becoming the receiver, and it was a read by Chase. So if the linebacker had run with Danny up the middle, he would have just tucked the ball and ran. Uh, the linebacker committed and thought it was a run play, so when he did that, Chase just you know popped it up over his head, and you know Danny's caught you know three passes or four over the last three years in some capacity, but it's just a matter of finding different ways to put the linebacker in a run-pass conflict. Coach, it, it really did seem like you guys were pretty much doing anything you wanted to offensively in that second half. What was Lafayette showing you guys defensively that w allowed you guys to be so successful? I, I think, you know, in the first half, you know, they, they, they had been, you know, pretty much what we what we saw on tape or, or the things that they did outside of a couple variations of their blitzes and their pressures. So uh, once we started playing with tempo and, and our offense is not, we're not reactive, we're proactive. So we do what we do. Uh, we have answers built into our scheme based off of what the defense does. So I think we were really pressing the tempo of the game and really dictating what we wanted to do. And, and to their credit, in the second half, they came out and changed some things defensively, went from a, a four-down front to a three-down front. And it took us a series or two to get adjusted to that. But I, th I thought our assistant coaches did a great job identifying what they were doing, communicating it to me and the players. And, you know, we came out and were able to, you know, move the ball uh, fairly successfully throughout the remainder of the, of the second half. So the Player of the Week awards came out in the Patriot League today. Let's move into that for a moment and away from the, the nitty-gritty of the Lafayette game. You guys swept the awards this week. Mike Mirando, Special Teams Player of the Week, couple of field goals, successful onside kick. Defensive Player of the Week, Brett Bistek with four sacks, a career high, nine tackles as well. Rookie of the Week is Chase Edmonds yet again. And then you look at the Offensive Player of the Week, Mike Niebrick, who, who earned his eighth uh, career Offensive Player of the Week in the Patriot League. I want to specifically go into Chase Edmonds for a moment because he's a Rookie of the Week, of course, at running back for Fordham. He's got 910 yards and about 10 touchdowns this year, which leads to the obvious question, why was the rest of the Patriot League recruiting him as a cornerback, including Lafayette, when he comes in here and plays so well at running back? What did you guys see that made you really want him in here as your primary ball carrier? You know, you know, in re regard to the awards, you know, we say with team success comes individual recognition. So, you know, when a team continues to do well, you know, the guys who are deserving of individual honors will, will get those. And I think they realize, you know, that's in concert with the people who surround them too. So I think that our guys, when you talk to them, will certainly, uh, you know, share the credit with their teammates. But specifically with Chase, you know, we weren't the only people recruiting him. I know he had some FBS 1A offers. He had a bunch of 1AA offers. And, you know, I'm, I'm – you know, I can't speak for people who were recruiting him in another position, but we were only recruiting him as a tailback based off of the film we saw. And in terms of the type of running back and the, and the, the prototype and the things that we look for from a positional standpoint, uh, yeah, he fit the, fit the bill, obviously, in the mold of running back that we want. You know, and not only that, just as a person as well and as a student. So, you know, we got lucky that, that a player in person, a student of his caliber, you know, wanted to continue his education and his football career at Fordham. 
All right, Coach, let's sort of wrap this discussion on Lafayette up with this, this one final thought. How does it feel to be 2-0 in the Patriot League? Oh, it feels great. You know, and like we talked about last week and the week before, it's six one-game championships, you know, and we've, we've had two of them. And, uh, you know, we just got to continue to take it one week at a time with these league games because we know that, you know, our ticket to the postseason goes through the Patriot League. And, um, you know, I think we got to have, you know, great singleness of purpose. We got to concentrate on the task at hand, you know, one day at a time through our preparation. And, you know, it, it you know, to have, you know, two in the left-hand column after two games, you know, I think it's a credit to our kids and our coaching staff. Let's move forward to something that isn't one of the six-game, uh, single-game championships you're talking about. Fordham goes back into non-conference play this week. They'll face an 0-3 Penn squad that was similarly drilled by Villanova a couple of weeks ago. They fell to Dartmouth, and they also lost to Jacksonville. What do you guys see in that team that you think they bring to Jack Coffey Field that maybe is a different element than you've maybe seen this year, or are they more similar to some of the opponents we've already seen? Yeah, the first thing, when you look at, you know, University of Pennsylvania in the context of, of Ivy League football, you know, they've been one of the standard bearers, you know, over the past two decades, and Coach Bagnoli, you know, has done a fantastic job with that program. And, uh, you know, the first game against Jacksonville, they were up two scores with about eight minutes to go in the game, and, you know, Jacksonville was able to come back, and, you know, <laughs> as you mentioned, the this, this similar throttling at the hands of Villanova, you know, it was 41 nothing at halftime, and obviously Villanova is a, a very talented and well-coached team. And, you know, it, it was a physical contest against Dartmouth, and, you know, Dartmouth's a much-improved team. So, you know, Penn's going to be very well-coached. They're going to have talent. They're going to be physical. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a huge challenge. And, you know, our, our kids certainly understand, you know, the type of program Penn uh, possesses and, and, and what the, the, you know, challenges are going to be. So we're definitely excited for the opportunity. And coach, you mentioned Al Bagnoli, the, the coach at UPenn there. Well-established coach. He's the only Ivy League coach to win nine league titles. He has the most wins in their 137-season program. So for you, what does that mean to, to coach against a guy like that with so much legacy? No, he's, he's an institution at that institution. You know, coach has done a fantastic job. You know, a ton of Ivy League titles, a ton of all, all, all Ivy League players, you know, tremendous academic success and – you know, their guys do great things off the field. So to have an opportunity to coach against somebody of, you know, Coach Bagnoli's, you know, uh, reputation and, and the things that he's done there, it's, uh, you know, you know he, he's done it very well for a very long time, and there, there's something to be said for that. We're live from the Applebee's at Fordham Plaza with Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead. We'll have Tim Zetz on later as well as Tabucky Jones and DeAndre Slate. And I, I want to – ask you to go back to the idea of going into non-conference play how does that change the approach if at all knowing that instead of this being one of those you have to win to make the postseason really this one doesn't necessarily have the same kind of bearing on the long-term impact that it could make to your season uh, it doesn't necessarily have a, a, a immediate impact relative to our uh, winning the Patriot League and getting an automatic bid but it, it allows us to accomplish one of our preseason goals which is to have a winning non-conference record every year. And if we win this one, you know, that'll be our fourth and that'll be great for us. And then, you know, in terms of the, the context of, you know, the postseason, you know, there's some things with, you know, if things don't go well in the Patriot League, you know, you're talking about at-large things and you're talking about bye weeks and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's not – the fact that this is a non-conference game is going to have zero bearing on our preparation, our effort, and our execution. You know, our, our standard as a program is – to come out every week and prepare 
to go 1-0 and regardless of who the opponent is, where the game is, or what bearing it has on the postseason or not. So uh, we're myopic in our, in our approach. You know, we're going to come out and we're going to have a great week of practice and prepare for them you know, like they're the best team that we're going to play this year, and they are because uh, we played them this week. So it's going to be a great challenge, and we're certainly going to be up to it. Well, you talk about the challenges. What are some of the challenges your offense is going to face this week against the UPenn defense? Our offense versus UPenn's defense. Yeah. You know, they play, you know, multiple looks up front. They play some three down and four down looks. I'm good with numbers right now, not, not with names. Uh, 73, 40, and uh, 93 are the guys up front who are, who are big, strong. You know, the interior guys, 73 and 93, big physical guys, use their hands well, uh, do very good at the, at the point of attack. You know, 40 is a good speed rusher. 17 and 32 are their inside linebackers. 28 is the outside guy. I think, uh, you know, 17 has won some, you know, all Ivy League honors. Uh, as well as 32, and then the guys, you know, kind of stand out on the back end. Number seven's a safety, you know, 21 and four of the corners. So they, they, they've got talent. They've got good speed. Uh, they've got good size. They've got good athleticism. They're very well coached. So, um, and they're multiple with what they do. So it'll be, it'll be a good challenge. Your defense, we talked about it earlier, played very well against the rush. Ross Sherman really didn't play at the level that we've come to expect from him, even having seen him last year. What does Penn do offensively? that your defense is going to need to try and have a similar impact against. You know, you know the, the statistics in the, in the you know, last week's game was a little bit kind of, I think, different than Penn has been in the past. I believe the kid had 58 attempts, 40 of 58 Torgerson. They threw the ball around quite a bit. One kid had 12 catches. You know, another guy had about 90 yards. You know, but, but Penn has been a team that's traditionally run the ball very well. They've got a big offensive line. Wilcox is the back. Uh, Trey Solomon's a backup kid. He's, he's, he's a local kid here from the city. Uh, you know, Cole Sars, a receiver, I believe, is from Bergen Catholic. So, you know, to me, you're, they're, they're a team that's going to want to establish a run and kind of build off of that, you know, outside of last week's game where they threw it almost 60 times. So uh, you got to be able to defend both. And uh, I think they do a good job, you know, creating, uh, you know, push at the line of scrimmage with the O-line, doing a good job and, uh, you know, getting the ball to the receivers in space. So it, it'll be a big challenge. Well, Coach, you guys have a bit of a winning streak going at home this this tenure for you. How much confidence does that give you playing UPenn at home this Saturday? Uh, it gives us good confidence in the sense that we've <laughs> won a lot of football games at home, but our kids understand, you know, what's past is prologue. I mean, we're, it's not, you know, what we've done in the past isn't going to have any bearing on this game. We understand the reasons why we've had success is because we've practiced well, we've given great effort, and we've executed well. So the fact that we've won a, a lot of games – you know, obviously the home crowd, the support, and all those things that we've gotten are parts of that, but they understand that, you know, the, the way that we've won these games at home is because we've practiced well, we've played hard, and we've executed well. And if we can continue to do that, you know, we'll, we'll continue to play well at home. Just a couple more questions with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead, Mike Watson, Nick Legerifo on Monday Night Quarterback Live from the Applebee's of Fordham Plaza. Well, Coach, when you look at the overall impact of that last game, Recruiting-wise, there's probably nothing better than being number one on SportsCenter Top 10 that night, and that's exactly what happened. To Bucky Jones catches a pass in the left side on a little outer, a little hitch, and makes a move that just totally froze the defensive back, falls right over. When you look back at that play, how cool is it for the guys on the team to be number one on SportsCenter like that? And did you think that it was a play of that caliber, that kind of crossover move? Well, I really didn't even see that. I, mean, I saw the catch and really kind of had my view obscured from what, what Tabucky did to make the kid miss. But uh, obviously the, you know, the people in Bristol <laughs> thought enough of it to make it number one. And uh, I think it goes back to the ability of having, having this game, number one, televised nationally on CBS Sports Network. And, 
you know, to, to have that, you know, it was a huge boost. And, you know, I have people from all over the country emailing or texting saying that they saw the game, uh, which was tremendous, you know, on a lot of different levels for the school, for recruiting and all those things. But, you know, to, ha to have one of your, your throws and plays as a sports center, uh, you know, not just top ten but number one play, it, it was great for, for our program and obviously great for Michael and Tabucky, you know, for them to be able to hook up and, and make something special like that happen. All right, Coach, last thing from me, your keys to this game against UPenn. Uh, the same as they always will be. You know, have a great week of practice, come out, give great effort, and execute the scheme. And really, explosive plays and turnover margins will, will, will be the you know, deciding factors. And then below that, you know, red zone offense, red zone defense, third down conversions, and, uh, you know, being able to establish a line of scrimmage. If we're able to do those things, we'll have an opportunity to win. If not, uh, we won't, but uh, you know, I, I like our team. I like our mindset right now. I think our kids have seen the reasons we've had a steady uh, improvement over the past month, and, and it's relative to what we do, not what we say or what people say about us. So we need to continue to be men of action and uh, understand that, that you know, wins are earned; they're not given. Well, that sounds like uh, quite the laundry list of things to get done, but I'm sure you guys can do it. And. Uh, I want to finish with a couple of the players who will be coming on and joining us later, Tabucky Jones Jr. and DeAndre Slate. Different stories, obviously. Tabucky came from UConn along with you. He transferred. DeAndre Slade has played in every single game over the last four years in a 40 uniform. That's 42 total games. Maybe if you could give an explanation of what maybe both of them have meant to this program and, and what they bring to the field every Saturday or no, Friday, for that I matter. Mean, start with Tabucky. I mean, just... You know, the, the change of scenery, you know, coming down from stores to here has obviously been one that's been very good for him, not just athletically but academically. And, uh, you know, Buck has, has improved a lot over the past two years, and I think this year you're really seeing him do a lot more after the catch. And uh, and he's really, you know, worked on some things in his game that, that have allowed him to be our leading receiver this year. And he's a great kid. He's a great student. You know, comes from a great family, so you couldn't be more happy for him, you know, that that the decision to leave UConn and come down here has been one that's been for his benefit and has also been, you know, great for our team. And DeAndre's just been, you know, an absolute stalwart in our defensive front over the past four years. He's really the emotional leader up front, you know, the guy that makes a tremendous amount of plays behind the line of scrimmage, you know, really gets our guys going emotionally. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly lucky to have both those guys. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we have a bye week next week, so uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit quiet over here. But certainly for the Lehigh game, we'll be right back here with you. It sounds great, guys. All right. Well, that's uh, Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead, and uh, we'll have Tim Zetz on in a moment. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Coach Joe Moorhead. And, of course, we're on next week after the Penn game. Then we're off, so it'll, it'll be uh, a little bit interesting to kind of – a little bit of a break for us. Yeah, what's that? I don't even know we what that's like. We need the bye week, too. Everyone needs the <laughs> bye week. I'm sure Coach Moorhead could do a lot of stuff with a bye week. It's uh, clean the gutters. He's got stuff to do. And So that's Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead. Mike Watts with Nick Legerfo. We're going to have the running back coach, Tim Zetz, joining us in less than 20 seconds when he, when he runs on over here. And, uh, Nick, when you look at the running backs this year, this has been a, a bit of a revelation. It's tough to lose Carlton Kuntz, and now, I mean – Tim Zetz has the running backs running like uh, we, we didn't even lose an All-American. <laughs> well, you look at Chase Edmonds' numbers, 910 yards through six games, one of which he ran for negative five <laughs> yards. That's just uh, Madden numbers right there. It's yeah. unbelievable. Let's talk about the guy who helps those players earn those Madden kind of numbers. It's Fordham running back coach Tim Zetz. Coach, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good. 
glad to have you back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, always enjoy being here. So. All right, well, let's get into this because Chase Edmonds had another outstanding week. He neared 200 yards yet again, five 100-yard games in his first six games of his career. When you saw him in training camp, could you have imagined that he would put up numbers of that kind of magnitude? Well, I knew he was a special player, and, you know, through the recruiting process, he was definitely the, uh, you know, he was a guy that we were after um, hard, and, and so were a lot of people. But, um, you know, g going into camp, he uh, he did show a lot of flashes and, and made a lot of um, explosive runs, did a lot of great things. And I thought he was going to be special. I don't know how special he was going to be. And, uh, you know, he, he's – he is a uh, pleasure to coach, that's for sure. I've been uh, very blessed. So, Well, Mike mentioned it somewhat that Carlton Kuntz left last season, and so he left a big hole, big holes, big shoes to fill. How did you go through the offseason uh, to replace a guy like that? Uh, you know, honestly, it's, a, uh, it's never easy to uh, replace a guy with experience, and, and especially a guy like CJ who uh, does so many great things. But I think, you know, Part of the thing that, that we did every day as a position group was it, it was just a step-by-step, one-day-at-a-time um, process. And, you know, we never looked ahead, and it was always, um, you know, constantly, like I tell them, you know, sawing wood and, and doing work and, uh, you know, never lose that mentality, never lose that uh, blue-collar, you know, mentality that they, that they all have. So they, they've done an excellent job. They're, they're great to be around. They're uh, fun to coach, and they make my job easy. So... Um, I, I guess, you know, we just took it day by day and, and uh, you know, just uh, worked hard, you know, I guess. So. Well, and even going into this year, there was questions who was going to get the lion's share of the carries. It's now Chase Edmonds, obviously, who's been getting a lot of the yards. But Kendall Piercy was at the top of the depth chart for the first couple of weeks. And also you've got some talented guys behind them, Jared Brevard and Kevin Soares currently owns the, the highest average yards per carry That's on the right. team. That's right. Uh, around, I think, 12 or 13. 13, but yeah. When you look at your group in total, do you view your group as the strongest core of running backs in the Patriot League? And, and what's it like knowing that you've got multiple guys who can really carry the load? Well, um, you know, I don't really know what other teams are um, dealing with or, you know, what they kind of have, uh, you know, what they're working with. But – I do know that the group of guys that um, I, I'm fortunate enough to be working with, they, they are a extremely talented group, and, and um, it, it's it's honestly a, a committee. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I could throw in any of those guys at any time, and we're going to get um, just tremendous production out of all of them. And, and so it makes my job easy as a coach, and, and um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a, a good situation to be in. Well, let's talk about that committee mentality a little bit here because Kendall Piercy, you know, he's he's not getting the majority of the carries, but he's still a big part of this running game. Sure. So what is he, that two-back philosophy, what has that meant to this running game? Uh, I think it goes a long way because one of the things that I, I know myself I, that I'm trying to do is is I'm trying to keep those guys as fresh as possible. And, and I think that uh, we can really wear teams down with, you know, our, our running style and, and be able to, you know, finish runs, always falling forward and, and uh, doing those kind of things. So um, going in the fourth quarter, I, I know last year, you know, um, CJ kind of would – he would be tired, you know what I mean? And, and uh, so now we have the ability to keep our guys a little bit more fresh. And, and um, you know, I, I think you see our, our numbers go up. Uh, a little bit more, you know, in the second half just because um, they are, you know, able to have a little breather and, and um, you know, get subbed out. And so it, it definitely helps our uh, unit as a whole. 
We're live from the Applebee's at Fordham Plaza. Mike Watts with Nick Legerfo, and we're currently talking with Tim Zetz, the running backs coach for Fordham University football. And, you know, let's take a moment to look back at this Lafayette game specifically, and Chase Edmonds came up with uh, yet another big run. Let's go ahead and listen to this 44-yard carry, and we'll get your thoughts right after that. Ebert steps back into the gun, gets the ball, handoff, Edmonds off the gut, breaks it free at the 40. He's loose at the 25. Roberts chasing from behind at the 5. Edmonds into the end zone for the touchdown. All this touchdown. dude does is score. <laughs> Long touchdowns, 44 yards this time around. Chase Edmonds again with another long carry, but his explosion into the hole on that play, his ability to outrun everybody, yeah. is that all things that, that he just brings to the table physically? Is there things that you're telling him to do, or, or did that play just line up perfectly? Um, I would love to take credit for uh, the things he's doing, but to be honest with you, um, you know, he is a uh, he, he has a lot of just natural ability, and, um, you know, he, he's been he's been blessed with, with the um, – you, you know, to be able to do things that a lot of other people can't do. And, you know, none of that happens, you know, none of that happens without work from your teammates. And, and I think it all starts up front, as you know, and, and I know, you know, you, you hear it all the time, but it's true, especially at our position, uh, at really at any position. Um, nothing gets done or, or you know, there, there's really no success for anybody if the offensive line doesn't do, you know, um, their part. And I know Coach Rodriguez, he, he does an excellent job with them and, and, uh, I guess you know, one of the things that when we went back and watched the film, I was um, I, I think we were all pleased at, at how well we were able to handle them. They, they did some things up front. I mean, they had a good uh, front four, especially, and and uh, we we were able to our offensive line did an excellent job at, at being able to you know secure their blocks and and get a, get some movement and stuff. So it all starts there, and um, you know. Past that, I, I, I guess, you know, um, again, I, it's uh, Chase's, you know, God-given ability kind of takes over from that point, and, and uh, it's fun to watch him go. So. so when you look at these two guys, Chase Edmonds and Kendall Piercy, uh, both established running backs in this league right now, sort of different styles. What are the biggest differences between these two guys' styles? Um, well, you know, they, they, um, they are a bit different. Um, Chase – Chase is able to, I would say, maybe, um, you know, change direction just a bit better. Um, but Kendall's also a uh, bigger body presence and, and uh, you know, a few inches taller than him and, and uh, has a few pounds on him. So he, he's also really good in, um, you know, pass blocking and uh, route running situations. We, we get him out and uh, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you guys see on third downs and stuff, he'll get out of the backfield and uh, make some plays you know, catching the ball and, and turning it upfield. So uh, both of them kind of have their own unique style, and, and they both complement each other well. And, um, you know, they – again, kind of how you were saying, there's, there's uh, you know, there's some other ones too behind them. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fortunate, um, I guess, scenario for me to be a part of and, and, a, and a great one at that. Now, I want to talk a bit about your coaching style because in talking with Andrew Briner and Coach Rodriguez, they talk a bit about how you teach these guys to do pass protection, which is maybe a little bit different than they've seen at other schools they're at, that there's a lot more reading that these running backs are doing at the line of scrimmage than maybe is typical of a normal running back. What do you teach these guys to do, and does it go back to maybe your quarterback mentality? Is that what they're saying, huh? That's yeah, what they're I, saying. <laughs> um I don't know. I guess I guess I teach them. Um, I teach them the way I know, 
And, um, you know, I, one of the things I think that I, I, I guess me personally, how I feel about it is, is I, I give them as much information as, as I think they can hold. And, and uh, we have th – these guys are really smart. They're able to, you know, uh, maintain and, and, and hold a lot of information. And, and um, I, I throw a lot of stuff at them, and, and we read contours of defense and safeties and, and uh, you know, linebackers you know, th at different levels, wh whatever it may be. And um, they, they also are um, aware of, you know, any kind of tendency. So it, it's, it's not so much um, – I would say my my teaching or anything like that as much as it is uh you know their ability to to grasp things and 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 they get a lot of it naturally and and um do a great job you know themselves all right coach let's talk a little bit about your background you started out at um at akron yeah actually you were playing quarterback at akron yeah. coached under coach moorhead there now you've been here for the past three years with coach joe uh -huh. what has that transition been like for you it's been great, you know. I have known uh, Coach for I don't even know. I it's probably like nine years now, and um, you know I, I know him at a uh, very personal level. I, he, he was uh, my position coach, and and now he's my boss. I guess you know technically he was my boss, you know, in uh, both positions I was in. But he, um, you know, he, he's done excellent things, and and I've got a, a front row seat basically to, to everything, to see everything he's capable of doing. And, and uh, you know, he's one of the brightest minds I've ever been around, uh, football or not, you know. And uh, so I've learned so much, and, and he's given me the ability to, to um, you know, learn from him. And, and it's, you know, it's always, I, you know, every situation I'm in with him, it's always a learning one. So it's, it's, it's an awesome thing. All right. Well, Coach Zets, thanks for tuning in. And hopefully in one week we'll be saying that you've, uh, now mentored three running backs to a thousand yards in three years, which would be a, a pretty high accomplishment, and yeah. hopefully three All Patriot League guys too. So yeah, good thing they're good. Yeah. yeah they're <laughs> so, but thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you having me. All right, that's Tim Zetz, Fordham running backs coach, and he joined us here on Monday Night Quarterback as we look forward to our Inside the Huddle segment. We're gonna have DeAndre Slayton to Bucky Jones Jr. We've talked about DeAndre Slate in the past as being a great presence in the middle of the Fordham line, and we've talked about Tabucky Jones being the leading receiver for this team this year. I want to take a moment to talk about DeAndre Slate because he had the sack to end the Temple game, and maybe people don't remember that nearly as much as they probably should. When you think about what he's done over the past couple of years, it's been very impressive, no? Yeah, it's just, a, just about overall consistency in terms of uh, – his performance on the field and the defensive line, we talked about it, Mike, these past two weeks have really started to come into their own. And DeAndre has been a huge part of that. And it's really exciting that we actually get to have him come on the show. I think this is going to be his first time coming on, and I'm really looking forward to it. I hope so, although I'm looking for him. We'll definitely have Tabucky Jones Jr. on. He's about to throw that headset on and join us for the second time, I think, in three weeks. And we're really taken away from his social life more than anything. I do feel bad about that. But we begin with Tabucky Jones, Jr., Fordham wide receiver. He's currently leading the team in receptions. He's one yard behind Brian Wetzel for receiving nice. yards, but we'll see how that goes moving forward. Tabucky, welcome. How's it going? It's always good when you're on the show, and yeah. it's especially good this week because uh, how many texts did you get, calls did you get, tweets did you get, Facebook messages about being number one on SportsCenter, top ten on Saturday morning? 
Well, I mean, it was actually funny because the night of the game, I actually got a text from one of my freshman receivers about the play, and I thought he was just joking around with me. <laughs> so uh, I ended up hitting the bed, and I woke up and got at least like 30 text messages. My phone was just blowing up, text after text after text, from family, friends, people, teammates, and everything. And everyone, everyone was just excited for me. I want to quickly go ahead and play what that sounded like on local radio. I'm sure you've seen it on national TV already, but here's our call on WFUV, and I want to get your thoughts on what exactly you did to make this guy just fall over and just crawl into a hole. So let's hear the play and go from there. Hopefully we'll get the play momentarily here. Still working on it. Sorry about that. Hopefully we'll get the play in a little bit. Let's talk about just the, the play itself. It yeah. was a pretty simplistic route until you decided yeah. to gussy it up. Talk me through what the route was and what you did. Well, it's uh, one of the special routes called the stutter route. We just installed it just for uh, specifically uh, last game. So I, I, I ran eight yards, stuttered. I pushed vertical like I was running the go route, and then I came back on a comeback route. And when I caught it, I got at least 10 yards of separation. But with that separation, I knew the guy was in trouble because, uh, you know, I have a high capability to shift guys and with my agility. So I um, caught it. I made a move outside, inside, and then back outside again, and I turned it up inside. And the guy just <laughs> just broke his ankles yeah. on the play. Yeah. <laughs> but we uh, have it this time around, guys? Are we going to give this a go? Yeah, we're we're going to try this one more time and go from there, and then we'll have DeAndre uh, join us here in just a sec. But let's hear that play and go from there. Gets the ball, play action, steps back, he's looking, pump fake, throw left, caught it to 10. Tabucky makes a move at the 5, and he dinked him out of his shoes and goes into the end zone for the score. So, I, just that move, yes. I, I, talk me through that. It didn't seem like all that much movement from you. It was just kind of getting the guy guessing a little bit, and he guessed wrong, obviously. Yeah, like in the game, everything is just reaction, I feel like. So, when I caught the ball and turned around, I just – made a move, just tried to shake him. And the crazy thing is, I didn't even know he broke his ankles. I didn't know he <laughs> fell until after the game when, when I watched Huddle and saw it. So, and everyone told me on the sidelines too. So it was just, it's, it's, it all goes into preparation and, and the workouts and, and doing jump roping and all the agility drills. And that helped me out a lot. All right, DeAndre, let's get you involved in the action a little uh, bit today. You, you, you guys had a pretty good week yourselves <laughs> speaking uh, about the defensive line, and you guys limited Ross Sherman and Lafayette to under 100 yards, just 68 yards oh, yeah. rushing for the game. Did you guys have a certain sense of emphasis on that? What did you guys do to make you guys so successful? Oh, yeah, you uh, y'all probably know we had some problems against the run last year and all of that, so – We've been focusing on it all off season, and you know it's coming, it's coming, it's presenting itself like all the work we put in as a defense to improve on in that part of the game. So, getting we're getting all right, we're getting decent at it. <laughs> now I've noticed that there's been, maybe this is just me talking, but I've noticed that you guys as a unit have really started to get it together these last two weeks. Mm. Have you noticed that, is or is that just me talking here? No, that's not you just talking, but we uh. We definitely stumbled a little bit against Nova, but other than that, we've been playing some good defense this year. We got guys like uh, Ian Williams, uh, JD, Jake Dixon. You know, everybody's everybody's balling out, so we're just gonna keep trying to keep that going and 
try to keep up with the offense a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys are, are actually talking to two former linemen, if that wasn't obvious by our lack of <laughs> athleticism. So I guess there's not enough credit that usually goes to the defensive line. You had a, a key sack to end the game against Temple last year. You've mm. played in the last 42, started yeah. most of them here at Fordham, and we've always kind of wanted to have you on, and we're just kind of waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> but when you look at the defensive line, do you feel like you and the defense as a whole get enough credit for what's been done over the last couple of years? Oh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to credit, you know, it comes and it goes. But we just know as a defense we're working together. Like, we got a popular – we got an offense, exciting offense. So, we could – we was in another program. We definitely get a little more credit, but we don't need it. You know, you know the offensive boys are great and – we great, too, and we just trying to go out there and play ball. All right, Tabucky, let's bring you back in here for a little bit because we talked about the play, the famous play now on SportsCenter. You're, you're a legend now, just <laughs> instant legend. But you look at what Lafayette was doing to you guys, yeah. playing that deep zone coverage yeah. pretty much the whole game long. As a wide receiver, when you're lining up there, are, are you starting to think, hey, this is too easy? Or what's your mindset when you're lining up and you see those guys so far back? I mean, we're used to it because especially off of last year, you know, Niebuhr doing a good job getting us the ball, me, Wetzel, Sam, and other receivers. So, you know, especially the past couple of weeks starting with Holy Cross, um, we started to see a lot of deep zone coverages. So, But as a receiver, that just makes it even more exciting. Like you can't get the deep plays, but you get a lot of the hitches going, the hooks, and it's just uh, short three-step drop passes. And there's more catches for us, so. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And of course, other than calling us a D2 school, I guess oh. it was a pretty <laughs> cool thing on Sports Center. Um, and, and I want to go to that for a second because you go from an FBS school in UConn and you come to Fordham in FCS school. Yeah. Is that a milkshake you just got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have your cheat day. I <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a cheat day. That's every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, DeAndre. I'm with you. <laughs> um, so I, I have to get the milkshake out of my mind now. Um, but your dad played professionally, and yep. he played at Syracuse. You played at UConn for a yep. couple of years. You come here. Do you feel like there's not enough respect or, or enough respect or maybe too much respect given to FCS schools and scholarship teams as they play more competitively with FBS schools nowadays and they're maybe making an improvement in the standard yep. of play? What's the difference for you? Uh, I mean, I honestly think it's a lack of respect because I always believe if you can play, you can play. It doesn't matter if you're D7 or D. If you're a good player, you're a good player. If you're a good team, you're a good team. And I remember being at uh, UConn, and we never even used to hear about FBS schools. FBS schools never used to really be in the media. It was always about the SECs or the ACC schools, Big 12, all the power conferences. But just coming here, you can, you can see teams like North Dakota State, Houston, Washington, even us last year being Temple. Like a lot of the teams at the FBS level can compete with the majority of teams at the um, FCS level. So, you know, it's just it's just a give or take. And I, I think it's all kind of political in a sense because people want to see the, the bigger team succeed at that level. So, but I just think it's it's, it's competitions everywhere. So that's a, that's a key point. So. All right, DeAndre, let's bring you back in here. One of the big words surrounding last week's game was the word redemption. Coming into the game, you guys wanted to erase your memory of what happened last year. You had a certain emphasis to stop the run. Do you feel like this win was a little bit more satisfying knowing what happened last year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I've personally been looking forward to this game all offseason. You know, uh, anytime a team takes away an unbeaten season and you're trying to do something great, it's going to leave 
bad taste in your mouth. So, yeah, definitely had that one circled. And what about you, Tabucky? Same thing? Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, I agree with DeAndre. And teams leave a bad taste in their mouth. You know, you want to come out and and play your best and improve prove them wrong, whatever. So. Now, Tabaki, I already talked to you a bit about your background, but you yeah. came, I believe, from Illinois, right, DeAndre? Yeah. And you went to the same high school as Joe Mazzara, the center, correct? Yeah. Now, how much did that affect you coming here? And even in high school, were you still beating him up and down the field back then? Or <laughs> oh, yeah, you know now? it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, yeah, Joe's my boy. We uh, we uh, made stuff happen. We came from a winning program in high school, and uh, – we just wanted to go to college. We decided to go together and just try to keep it going. Fortunately, we both get to start and make some plays out here too. Yeah, so far so good. And I, even in practice, did it make you better knowing that you had an, an all-conference, soon-to-be all-conference center at the collegiate level mm-hmm. playing along with you who would soon be an all-conference oh, yeah. defensive lineman? Yeah, I, uh, when we start practicing high school to get everybody pumped up, I coach a circle everybody up. Uh, circle everybody around and put me and Joe in the middle and just have us just hitting each other in front of everybody, try to get everybody going. But, yeah, we were captains. Everybody looked up to us there. So it was good every day of practice going up against them. Uh, just curious, who would win those battles? Oh, yeah, 9-9 uh, nine, nine, all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, I don't know if you have anything else to, to go for well, here. Well, I just I just want to ask you guys now that uh, you're 2-0 in the Patriot League, games really matter this year in the Patriot League. How does that feel? Uh, feels good, you know, but uh, job's not done yet. 2-0 and is a good start. We all know it's a good start, but uh, not going to be happy until we won all of them. Yeah, um, we know it's definitely a big year because we're officially eligible to win the Patriot League title. So uh, we're good. We got off to a good start, and we're just going to keep keep the thing rolling. So. All right, well, looking forward to Penn. And then I have to ask, with a bye week, didn't last year, didn't you guys go to, like, a taping of Maury or something during a bye week? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> like, a bunch of the team went to that? Or, or wasn't there some bye week event that the team went to? Yeah, I know uh, I know a couple of the players, and I didn't, I didn't get involved with <laughs> You weren't going to that this nah. year? Yeah, I, 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 was <laughs> I think I was at the Jerry Springer show. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Guys, uh, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, Tabaki, enjoy those boneless wings and a milkshake. Yeah, yep. Got it. I'm the lineman. He's sitting over here with wings and a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. And hopefully uh, another big week and you guys earn another seat back here with the free food and the, the fun time. So yeah. let's go have another good week, okay? Got right, you, got thanks you. for having us. All right, thanks for having us. All right, that's DeAndre Slayton, Tabucky Jones, Jr., joining us here at the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza. Nick, time for you and I to – have our final thoughts on this. And by the way, just phenomenal job by those two. Really very impressive. Um, let's look forward to the Penn game. They're 0-3. Fordham is 5-1. There's expectations now that this Fordham team should really take it to opponents like that in theory. What's your reaction to this coming game? Well, it's got all the makings of a trap game. And I, and I say that uh, in with a precautionary tone because you look Fordham's Feeling pretty good right now. 2-0 in the Patriot League. 5-1 and on the year. You have a winless opponent coming into Jack Coffey Field. It's got all this, the makings of a track game. But I, I think Coach Moorhead is going to be, uh, be on top of his players, and I think they're going to be ready for this one. All right. Well, Nick, I think another good week here at the Applebee's at Fordham Plaza, no? Yeah, I'd say so. I wonder if uh, you and I could maybe get a shake in boneless wings. <laughs> I think I think if we ask, <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and do that as soon as we're done here. So that should do it for this week's edition of Monday Night Quarterback Live from the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza. Thanks to head coach J. 
Joe Moorhead, running back coach Tim Zetz, wide receiver to Bucky Jones Jr., and defensive lineman DeAndre Slate. Our continued thanks to Fordham Director of Football Operations, Greg Marmoros, and Sports Information Director, Joe DeBerry. Next Monday, another edition of Monday Night Quarterback, a look back at the Penn game, a look ahead to the bye week in Lehigh, and we'll have our X's and O's segment with one of the coaches and inside the huddle with one of our, a couple of our players, rather, and, of course, Joe Moorhead joins us once again. Until then, for Nick Legerfo, engineer, Brendan Bowers, producer, Sean Hayner, supervising producer, Merrill Servan, and executive sports producer, Bob Ahrens, this is Mike Watts. Have a good week, everybody. Monday Night Quarterback from the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza is a presentation of WFUV Sports.